anthem of the adventurer. The show for men who are tired of forsaking their dreams, who are willing to risk, to dare greatly, and know in their soul that their desire for adventure is good. It's time to venture into the wild places in our hearts. Here's your host, Dan Sainer. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. I am your host, Dan Zayner, and uh, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, so the episode you're about to hear was recorded quite a while ago. And I first want to thank my awesome guest, Ryan George, for his patience. Um, it is going to be worth the wait, though. So um, first, want to give you a little bit of what has been going on. If you haven't been following uh, our family's journey the past uh, few months, we have moved from our beautiful home in Lafayette, Indiana, to the wild, crazy wilderness of Oregon, <laughs> 2,546 miles away. Not that anyone was counting along the way. Um, my wife has gotten a, a really great opportunity to pursue a PhD out here with her advisor, who is amazing. And um, we are a few months in to this wacky adventure that involved an eight-day drive across two-thirds of this beautiful country of ours with three kids under 10 and three cats camping. Yes, you did hear that right. We camped with three cats, and I would not recommend that. <laughs> so um, aside from the move, also have been working on uh, writing a book, and that is uh, coming to the point where we're trying to get at publishing the thing. Uh, so if you're following along on Instagram, you probably saw me announce that I have been talking with a publisher and have got an offer to get the book published, which is fantastic. Um, if you want to be a part of that, uh, shoot me a message on Instagram. Uh, I'm looking to interview people, short conversations about what does this adventurous life with God look like and why is it so stinking hard uh, to get into it? So if that sounds interesting to you, shoot me a message. Would uh, love to do that. On to our episode today. We're talking about really interesting adventures with Ryan. So he is an author, wrote a great book that you should definitely check out called Scared to Life. And it's really about following God's promptings out of his comfort zone, some stories of his life. Um, following those Holy Spirit promptings and 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 the results. Um, so today you're going to want to listen if you have ever asked yourself, how do I justify an adventurous life with my spouse? <laughs> or what adventures are actually available in my season of life? Because it just doesn't seem like many are. This is the show for you. Um, a final shout out before we move on to the episode. Thank, big, huge, massive thank you to the Blue Ridge Overland Gear team, um, Matt and CT and all the guys and gals out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us camp in your parking lot <laughs> and for using your office to record this episode. It was absolutely lovely and can't wait to see you guys hopefully at uh, Overland Expo West 
um, out here somewhere. I've got to look and see where that is. But anyway, if you're listening and you're into overlanding and you're coming out to the Pacific Northwest, hit me up. Without too much further ado, here is my conversation with the epic, awesome, fantastic Ryan George. All right, welcome to another episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. And if you're a longtime listener, you're gonna be like, "Why does he sound different?" Uh, I'm here with uh, Ryan George, and we're in person for once. Yeah, what a, what a concept uh, at the wonderful facility in Bedford, Virginia, of Blue Ridge Overland Gear. So, Matt, CT, if you guys are listening, we really appreciate uh, you opening your office while my Land Rover is parked out back. <laughs> for the night with my kids so if you hear little voices in the background asking for snacks that's alex and jane uh and they're eating ramen outside and hopefully we'll continue to do so for a little while um man ryan it's nice to meet you in person yeah. and we just had a great little hike outside and like oh man this is going to be such a fun welcome to my wonderland i love central virginia <laughs> this is this is only my second time coming out here uh first was sheesh a little over two years ago um, with Jane and came to Blue Ridge Overland Gear's prior location uh, for Overland Expo East and a bunch of stuff. And so it's it's pretty fun to uh, be back with the Brog crew. Uh, we'll, we'll meet some of them tomorrow, but Jason's helping us out tonight with uh, getting us settled in. So thanks, cool. Jason. And cool, cool. This has been awesome. So yeah. before we get into who you are, what you're about, all, all the goodness, um, those who are been listening for a while know that I would like to start things off with a challenge and uh, get it going in an adventurous direction. So what have you been marinating on challenge-wise for us? Yeah, so uh, this concept came to me after I finished my book and we put it out into the world. Um, I was trying to get people to embrace their fear, to lean into hard things, to move past their comfort zone. One of the things I sign into the front leaf of the book when someone asked me to uh, sign it is, I hope God rewards you every time you follow Jesus outside your comfort zone. Mm. Um, and I thought people would try maybe a career adventure or a faith adventure. But what most people have come back and said is it was an adventure of vulnerability that mm. really challenged them to be more vulnerable. And so that's what I would say. You know, the the most referenced command or most repeated command in scripture is fear not, which means that the situations where an angel or Jesus or whoever showed up, showed up appropriately. Fear was an appropriate response. Yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. from a human side, right? Yeah. And oh, so, man, this gleaming white creature with a big old sword and or wings what, or, or whatever. Or even if yeah. it wasn't supernatural, even yeah. some of the natural situations be like, hey, don't fear. Which means that we shouldn't feel guilty when we have to be told that. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and when we lean into it, one of the most vulnerable things, one of the scariest things we can do isn't jumping off bridges and mountains and cliffs like I do, it's actually maybe uh, going to a counselor or taking something to your pastor or your mm-hmm. accountability group or mm-hmm. confessing something to your partner or your spouse. Um, and over the last several years, I found that. I remember the first time I went to uh, counseling was three years ago, and I used to wear an Apple Watch back then. And I looked down, and my beast per minute went from the low 60s to the mid-80s. Wow. Just in the waiting room yeah. waiting to go in because I was so scared to be vulnerable. For me, it felt... Like just before I jump out of a plane or off a bridge or whatever. And I was like, whoa, 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 what is that right there? And so over time, I've learned to lean into that. And our body rewards our response to fear with reward chemicals. Mm -hmm. Not just epinephrine and adrenaline, but oxytocin and other things when we do it with other people. 
And so what happens is, is it becomes habit forming. Those reward chemicals happen after we confront our fears or as I like to say, after we disobey our fears Mm -hmm. Um, and it becomes habit forming. And so I'll I'll give you two examples of what I wish for people. So for me, like last Thursday, I was sitting in front of my therapist and I said, I crave Thursdays at 11 now because I've I've done this scary thing 140 times in a Mm -hmm. row now. And now I know there's reward at the end of that bungee jump. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing in faith. Um, sometimes when I pray for courage over someone, it has to do something difficult, a big surrender, a financial or relational a conversation, whatever it is. My prayer is, God, would you reward them in such a way that this becomes habit forming? Mm. That surrender starts to become, oh, this is scary, but I know how this ends. Right? Man. And if we could become an adrenaline junkie of Holy Spirit prompts, where we're not afraid when he says something weird. I'll give you an example. I've, I've told this one to several people. I was swimming laps in the YMCA one Monday morning, middle of the lap, middle of the pool. I hear, pray for your buddy mounts and pray this specific thing. Now, I don't know why God would need to tell me what to pray because yeah. he's going to translate <laughs> it anyway. I don't, I'm not going to, fi- I'll let theologians figure that part out. Yeah. I finished swimming laps. I get out of the pool. I text mounts. I said, Hey dude, I don't know what's going on in your life. We haven't talked in several months. Uh, we're adventure buddies. So it's, it's all based around what adventure we're we going on. We yeah. haven't been on an adventure in a while. And I said, this is what I was prompted to pray for you. Does this mean anything to you? And he texts me back. He's like, call me right now. I call Mounts. He's like, dude, this is what's going on in my life. I had no idea. Wow. We both get goosebumps, right? And we both go, what just happened here, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is now, when I get a prompt like that, I know, yeah, this is weird. This is really weird. Mm-hmm. But I know how this ends. Yeah. I know I bungee jumped in multiple continents now. I've jumped out of planes in both sides of the equator. I now know, okay, it's going to feel like this until the shoot opens. When the shoot opens, it's going to feel like this. You know, all yeah. these things. And so it becomes, this sounds really weird, but even though you're scared, it becomes habit forming. Yeah. And I think if we apply that to our faith, those Holy Spirit prompts or the hard things that a friend may bring to you to a challenge, um, I hope we we do it enough that it becomes addictive. Mm. Um, wouldn't it be awesome to stand up in an accountability group? Hi, my name is Ryan and I'm addicted to Holy Spirit prompts. Like, that would just be <laughs> what a reputation that would be. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here just just giggling on the inside because yeah, I, I am addicted to Holy Spirit prompts. Like that plaque on the wall is a perfect example of, of this podcast is a Holy Spirit prompt. Like the, mm. us sitting here is Holy Spirit prompts and nudges. That ruck over there is a whole bunch of them all in one. And it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't do it perfectly by any stretch. But when when I'm tuned in, when I'm dialed in, like, yeah. Interesting things result. Not not always pleasurable, not always nice, but always fruitful, always rewarding. Yeah. And Jesus would have people, particularly in the Old Testament, God the Father would tell the Israelites, hey, stack some stones here to remember, tell your kids. Yeah. For me, it's hats. Yeah. So uh, I have like 60-some hats. It looks like I have a fetish. I don't. What happens is after I have one of those exper- experiences, I buy a hat. Mm-hmm. And when I go back and wear that hat, I know what that moment was. Yeah. I, I have a hat in my sh- shelf. I only wear it three times a year. It's special occasions. That's the day my now daughter, who we have adopted, uh, arrived at our home. Wow. I was wearing that hat when that happened. Or wow. my buddy was wearing that hat that day when it happened. And so now that hat is my adoption hat. I have mm-hmm. a hat when my mom said yes to adventure in a like just huge step of faith for her. Mm. And so when I'm going to do something brave, I'll go grab that one because that's the hat my mom wore. 
um, this hat that I'm wearing right now, I, I invited several of my buddies to all go ice climbing together. And two of my friends super connected, had a four hour conversation. Wow. Right. And so I know, Hey, I'm going to go have a conversation. We've not talked face to face before, but that magic can happen. I'm going to wear my magic conversation. Yeah. That's awesome. I hate to call it that, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, (laughs) you you see that patch on that pocket inside of my ruck there. Yeah. See what that's got on it. Utah, Omaha, gold, Juno sword. That's, that's my magic ruck patch. Um, I bought that when my wife said, yeah, let's go to France together to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings. And you can absolutely go do a go ruck event and leave me and our eighth month old (laughs) to ourselves for the day. (laughs) But yeah, every time you see that patch now, you remember. I I almost cry like every time I see it because it's. All of those experiences, that whole year of our daughter being born and the special special messages from the guy who owns GORUCK to just be a dad in those moments, be a husband in those moments. And his mm-hmm. wife saying, here's how you talk to your wife about this crazy thing you have in mind. I'm like, thanks, Jason and Emily. I don't know. You may not hear this, but if you do, thank you. You guys mm-hmm. are awesome. So, yeah, same same thing with the hats. And this is reminding me of like, there are some other special moments that I need to get some ruck patches for to have yeah. some more memories. Like um, I heard John Eldridge talk about this in a similar way of like grabbing something natural from where, like a special hike or something like I collect rocks and sand and stuff like, yeah, same thing. Those things sitting on your desk, I'm like, man, that was a really special hike or piece of limestone from when my buddy Larry and I did some, breath work and prayer together behind a frozen waterfall in Minnesota. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good stuff. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) this may be a four part episode as we, as we talk for the next five hours here, but anyway, um, fantastic challenge. I would love to hear what people, what God does through people in that. And if something comes out of it, they're like, this is weird. And this happens like shoot Ryan and me a message. We would absolutely love to hear about it. Uh, both of us are fairly available. Instagram, Gmail, email, all the places. So, and, and I would warn you too. I mean, sometimes you don't know that it pays off. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Sometimes you'll get an assignment and you'll do it and there is no confirmation in the moment. Yep. And just to go, okay, well next time I'll say yes again, see what happens. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like a lottery. It's not like no. you're trying to win something, but there's this, there's a bent toward anticipation yeah. that I really like. That's awesome. Man. So let's back up a little bit and talk about who is this Ryan George character and and what are you about? Oh, man. What am I about? I mean, my big call is, is to adventure. Um, so I'm a freelancer or virtual assistant. I have a really niche job. There's only like three or four of me in the country. I'm a marketing assistant exclusively for auction companies. Uh, I've done work in 49 states and seven foreign countries selling all kinds of weird stuff from grandma's pots and pans all the way up to a $29 million house that Oprah Winfrey brought. Okay. Um, but what that's allowed me to do, I've worked from home now for 19 and a half years mm-hmm. is I'm very flexible. Um, and God's blessed me with some, uh, lots of airline miles and some disposable income and, um, and really blessed me with 
my mentors and pastors through the last 15 years are all crazy adventures in different ways. Mm. And, and then I have a bunch of friends who are all involved in different adventures. And so, mm. and they all go to my, or they did at some point went to my church. And so like, Hey, have you tried this? And I get into different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've traveled to all seven continents, both polar circles. I've surfed in the Arctic. I go out on the wing of airplanes while they're doing aerobatic maneuvers. Whoa. I love bungee jumping. My, one of my favorite things is paragliding. I love jumping off a mountain and, Oh my gosh. I don't have a license yet on any of these things. Uh, I do mostly entry level. Yeah. So there's there's two ways to do adrenaline sports. And there's the one that we think about, like X Games, yeah. um, Red Bull, mm-hmm. those things. Uh, the danger in that is when you when you pick one thing, uh, let's say base jumping. Mm-hmm. We'll just go with that one because I'm familiar with some of that. Um, the way to keep getting that adrenaline is to keep getting scared. Well, over time, you start to get comfortable. Oh, yeah. So you have to keep pushing the envelope. You keep going towards the line. What, what I tell people is when you play at the line, oftentimes you find it. Yeah. Um, down the road here from where we're sitting, mm-hmm. there's a manufacturing facility and there's a guy there that base jumps. And on the wall in his office, I've not been in it. We have a mutual friend who's been in it. He's got pictures of his base jumping friends on the wall. And when they pass away doing it, he puts a red X on it. Oh, my gosh. And there's red X's down the wall, right? <sighs> so I don't like that one because yeah. I want to live yeah. <laughs> as long yeah. as possible. I'm, I'm comfortable. I've made my peace with Jesus, sure, but yeah, um, but you don't you don't want to meet him face to face just yet. So the other way to do it is is to do a myriad of things at a shallow level. I like to say like more of a tourist level, a Renaissance man. I maybe, <laughs> but they're all different things. Yeah. And so I still, you know, I've got a whitewater kayak hanging in my garage. I still get an elevated heart rate every time I go mm-hmm. because I only do it so many times right. a year, right? Or I only bungee jump probably every three years or mm-hmm. so. Um, I only skydive once a decade, right? Yeah. Um, the wing walking, I'm doing that a little bit more often. Paragliding, I try to do just about every vacation if I can get it. Do you ever go power paragliding? I do, yeah. One of the guys on my uh, team, at my serving team at church had one, and oh, man. You ever been out to Utah doing it? Not done it. Would Utah. you like to? Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm uh, my one of my mentors right now, uh, he's on my parking team at church. He flies uh, an ultralight, so it's a power oh, cool. yeah. uh, delta wing. Um, and that's what his big dream is, is to do... The canyons all up and through there. I would love to. I've started reading the books to try to get my license. I'll I'll connect you with somebody out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a blast. I mean, it's like being a bird. Um, I haven't uh, done it yet, but oh I gosh. really want to. I would say so. The powered paragliding is way louder and way slower, but you are much closer to the ground. Ultralights get you a little bit higher up and a little bit faster. I find them to be a little bit more tranquil. Uh, the challenge with that is the way both of those is the way you sit. It's almost mm. like riding a motorcycle. Yeah. You can barely see over. You really want to be in the front seat, but the but pilot's you can't. Got, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why I like paragliding because paragliding, the customer's in the front. Right. Um, and so you run off the mountain like a, you're in a three-legged race, you know, with yeah. another guy. And then, then you're free and you go. And, yeah. Oh, man. And that one's the quietest. Obviously, there's no yeah. motor. Oh, man. Paragliding is the best. <laughs> and I've done it in some of the coolest uh, spots in the world. I did it next to um the matterhorn in switzerland and whoa it was just just incredible um costa rica iceland this last one i did it oh in iceland. my gosh and um it's the first time i've ever paraglided in rain it was Ooh, my shortest flight shoot. ever but it was so cool to do it in rain i don't know how to explain yeah it, but so as i'm listening to this and you may be listening to this back home as well of okay this sounds amazing and i'm sitting in my cubicle that i just drove to from my home and my three screaming children and my mortgage and and my wife who's not really a fan of of me going <laughs> and par- paragliding in the rain in Iceland like 
how do you balance the the marriage and family or maybe better word integrate um with the adventuring um in the ex- more extreme sense well first let me let me say that there are different kinds of adventure yeah. so people i wrote a blog post several years ago saying my wife is the bravest person in my home mm, and my yeah. wife would never skydive she'd never ride a motorcycle yep. or whatever but my wife will walk right into a brothel in Managua, Nicaragua, sit down with a prostitute, put her arm around her, pray with her, give her a micro loan, and give her hope to get out. Like, wow. My buddy is built like a lineman, Mitch. And I mean, just huge. And uh, he was scared walking behind my wife. And he said, the only reason I kept going was because your wife was in the front. Yeah. Like, I felt like I had to turn in my man card <laughs> if I didn't follow your wife in chivalry. And I found people who are relationally adventurous. I find people who are vocationally adventurous. I don't take a lot of chances yeah. when I work. But you know my my cousin was a he's now a VC capitalist in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, but he was he made experiments and they paid off, right? Mm-hmm. And my uncle's done the same, my dad did the same. Like, so um, there's there's people who are culturally more adventurous than me, definitely eating more adventurous than me. Um, I found, and I didn't realize this was a category until it happened, but I'm more adventurous in what I read. I read mm. almost exclusively nonfiction. But I was talking to a friend of mine and I said I'm reading books of people who disagree with me. Oh yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I've never do that." And I was like, "Why not? What do you have to lose? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just a book." But for him, that was an adventure too. Oh, far. Wow! So before before I say, how does it affect affect yeah, my yeah, family? Yeah. Realize that uh, my lifestyle is not for everybody. Yeah, and I wouldn't even recommend it for everybody. Um, and so it just looks different because it's more on the outside. In the age of social media, oh, my yeah. kind of adventure is celebrated more than, mm-hmm. and I, and I really think the other kinds there there are relate people who are willing to go places relationally that a lot of dudes aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I go, man, that should be what it is, but it doesn't, that doesn't translate to a scroll, right? Yeah. To Instagram. So that would be my first, the other side of it. So is, that's why I don't have any social media followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. And the, and the downside of that is sometimes, and I, I call it digital courage, you know, people who drink, they get liquid. Courage. Oh yeah. Sometimes I get courage when I turn the GoPro on. Mm-hmm. And that can be dangerous. You could do things for the internet rather than doing it for right. yourself. Um, I got challenged one time, actually before my first ultralight flight or second ultralight flight. Uh, my pastor challenged me. He's like, "Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do an adventure and not tell anybody online." Mm-hmm. That was so hard, dude. Have you read a book uh, called The Comfort Crisis? I've not. You'd love it. Okay. Um, one of the chapters in there, they talk about this guy. I, I can't remember the the professor, but. He talks about this concept of the misogi, this Japanese philosophy of basically do something really effing hard, don't tell anybody about it, and do it in such a weird way that nobody can, even if they do find out about it, they couldn't compare you with it. Like a marathon is not a misogi because you've got a time element that you can compare to other people. But tossing a 20-pound stone in the ocean and moving it five kilometers with a group of five guys is a misogi because it's weird and really hard. And rule number two is don't die. So you have some safety divers when you do that. But what it sounded like your pastor challenged you to do that misogi, like do it something that's hard, don't die, and then don't <laughs> tell anybody about it. It's just for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as far as to your question, um, so I promise my wife when I leave, I promise I'll come back a better man. Mm, there you go. And so what I'm what I'm looking for. So every adventure I go on, I go expectant to learn something, not just to experience something. Mm-hmm which is how you come up with a book about adventures, right? Yeah. You, you go, what did I take away? And part of that is how I've been discipled, you know? So my one pastor used to be a wilderness guide. He was trained by Outward Bound. And one of the things they do at the end of Outward Bound is they, 
each one of those trips is they really push you, not go ruck push, but yeah. um, they push you. And then what they do is they leave you alone for, depending on how length of the trip, from anywhere from like half a day to three days, I think, mm. with a journal and a pencil. And they they just leave you to process. And then wow. at the end of it, they ask you like, okay, you just did something that either you've never done or you thought you never could do. And you found out that that line between what you can do and what you can't is arbitrary. Now, look at back home. What do you think is something you can't do, you couldn't do, is too scary, right? And now you know that that line is arbitrary. What what can you take from this wilderness home? So that's how I was mm. discipled spiritually with the wilderness or whatever. And so when I go paragliding, I look for a lesson. When I go bungee jumping, I look for a lesson. Yesterday, uh, my, my nephew, my sister invited me up to Charlottesville, Virginia. There's a little creek there by their house. And they had never explored the creek. And so uh, they call me Uncle Mac. And so they want to walk the creek with Uncle Mac. And we got to this, we got to the end of the trail and there's these huge rocks, maybe, I don't know, 30 inches apart. And there's white water in between. Just mm-hmm. nothing dangerous. Yeah. He's going to die or anything. But but to a five-year-old, That's that huge. was raging white water, yeah. right? And to just walk out in front of him and bring him one step closer to Uncle mm-hmm. Mac and I'd hold his hand and he would jump and he'd look mm-hmm. back, Mom, I made it. And then we did that, you know, cross. Yeah. It's just to go, okay, now what did, what did I learn from that? Mm-hmm. And personally, I learned... I love it when people are willing to trust me with their safety. When they go, you went before, so I trust you. Yeah. Right. It's a different kind of leadership to go first. And so yep. I go, oh, so my lesson coming home is if I want to tell the guys in my Bible study, you can do hard things, they need to see me do hard things first and they need to hear me process it first. Yeah. Right. That came from three minutes in a creek. But if you go anticipating into every adventure, and then go, what did I learn? And sometimes it's negative. Uh, two weeks ago, I had a really bad situation, a road rage, and I was the road rage guy. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, man, I feel this slime in me. Like, I had a 70-some-year-old lady flip me the bird, and I deserved it. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, and I processed it with my wife. And I was like, I don't like this part of me. And so even the negative things, you wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily call it an adventure, although tailgating somebody at 70 miles an hour and a... I mean, that's an adventure <laughs> Yep. <laughs> or whatever speed. And we weren't doing 70. That was the problem with me, I guess. Yeah. But when you go anticipating to come home better and, um, and then there's the concept of otherness in marriage, which I really like Esther mm. Perel does a Ted talk on this. Oh yeah. Um, and she talks about one of the things, especially the longer you're married, monogamy fights against, um, passion because what creates passion is, Oh, you're different. I want something different than what mm-hmm. I have. And so you're drawn to that. I mean, opposites attract, cliche, yeah. right? And so one of the things you can do in your marriage is to create enough otherness. Not so much that you don't love each other and people sure. wonder if you have marriage problems. Yeah. But my wife and I both go on tons of trips a year without the other. Sometimes mm-hmm. she goes by herself. Sometimes she goes with girlfriends. Sometimes she goes to the church. Sometimes I go by myself. Sometimes I go with guy friends or a mixed group or whatever. And what my wife knows is the beach doesn't fill me up. And I know the beach fills her up. What yeah. she knows for me is... Oh, going to the mountain and jumping off a cliff with a nylon wing over your head, you come back excited with vim and vigor for life and whatever mm-hmm. else. Um, there's, a, there's an element of, and now I have stories to tell. And while she's gone, she has stories. Oh, we right. ate this most incredible thing on the beach, which I, okay. Tell me more. <laughs> I didn't want to be there, but I want to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, how, how long have you been married? 21 years. Awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, it, it's really odd. Like, it's this is like I'm talking to myself in nine years, like, okay? Because <laughs> like that's what I want for for our marriage, and we're we're on well on our way. That's awesome. Of you know, Tracy is 
actually for the second time ever been like, hey, when's your next GORUCK event? Like, she's started to see that I come back a better man after I do something stupid carrying heavy mounts of something or other long distances overnight. And she's noticed that I become a better man when I get back. Mm-hmm. Or one time she's like, hey, when are you going to, Are you? do you want to do that eight weeks to seal fit training again? I'm like, really? <laughs> like, okay. That was really hard. And so it's been really cool how she's noticing how hard things like that um, and you know, it doesn't have to be going to Antarctica or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just carrying a bunch of weight around with a bunch of weirdos overnight. That, that really gets me. And the challenge is for us to be different when we come home. Right. And, and exactly. And so I love that idea of, Hey, not just doing the hard, hard, fun thing, but have some time to process afterwards, have some time. Yeah. I don't go on any adventure without my laptop. Yeah. Or my phone. Great. I have a Bluetooth keyboard for my phone so I can journal. Nice. Uh, I've journaled every day since May 18th, 2016. Yeah. We're going to take a strategic pause here because it sounds like little voices are needing something. You guys need something? Everything okay? I kind of want to draw with the art supplies. No, this is not an art supply time right now, okay? Yeah. Because we're talking in here and we're recording and we don't want your beautiful voice on our recording at the moment. Mwah. We just need our voices on it. Okay? Mwah. Just trust me. Alright, Jane? Jane, come on. Just one. Hey, Alex. You, you guys, did you both eat your ramen? Okay. Good. If you open. I'm going to go get you a surprise real quick. Be right back. Mm-hmm. And then you guys can have your surprise while we finish up, okay?
submarines and I watched Hunt for Red October way too much and ended up making that a thing. And was a food systems engineer for five years out at the Groton shipyard in Connecticut. And then Alex came along and we didn't want him to grow up 18 hour drive away from family. So we moved to Indiana. There you go. Yeah. You know what they make here in Lynchburg, right? For subs? Uh, I don't. So Lynchburg is where all of the nuclear power plants for ships and subs are. Oh, yeah. Oak Ridge National Labs. Or, uh, well, or BWXT. BWXT. Yeah, right. Yes. Yep. So all my friends work there. It's amazing. Yeah, man, I, I I couldn't tell you anything sensitive about it, even if I wanted to. But I got to stand on top of one of those while they're, after they were painting it before they fueled it. And it was like the one time that I was in this area of the sub, I was like, this is so cool. That's but cool. yeah, that was, that was a fun place to work. And for so many reasons, I'm glad I don't work there anymore. Most of which because I have too big of a talking habit and it was killing me not to be able to tell anybody about what I do there. Yeah, so same. I couldn't. Yeah. My brother has a super high security. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I have, all my friends that go, that work there can't tell me what they do. Yeah, exactly. And I just said, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Not even your wife. You can't tell. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's tough. But, uh, anyway, so picking back up relatively where we left off before interrupted by my wonderful children. Um, so we were talking about how the, like different lifestyles of adventure are kind of how God's created us really. And what we've been teasing out a little bit, I think is, you know, and I, I fall into this trap too of seeing guys like you know yourself posting about the base jumping and the mountain climbing and the ice climbing things. Go, man, I wish I could do that. While ignoring sometimes the adventures that are right in front of me in middle of nowhere, Indiana, that are still what fills me up, or you know, driving my kids out to Virginia uh, away from my wife and our third one, and doing go ruck things like. The adventures that are available in my season look very different than the adventures available to you in your season, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to feel bad about that. It's just not letting that be an excuse to sit on the couch and stay in the cubicle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's hardwired into us. But at the same time, I'm really grateful that we were born when we were because I think there are more adventures available to everyone. Mm-hmm. So if you're into culinary adventures, there's way more stuff you can do with food now. Oh my ever, goodness. Right? Yeah. Pick up Tim Ferriss's four hour chef, cook your way through that. That'll keep you busy for right. a long time. <laughs> yeah. And we now live in a culture that has handles around counseling and therapy and stuff. And so yeah. the adventures of authenticity are a little bit, I think easier than probably they were 200 years ago. Very much so. Um, uh, and really important. I mean, as dads, like how amazing would it have been if those resources were culturally acceptable for our dads? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And yeah, how yeah. impactful and for would me, that have been? So people ask me all the time, you know, what's your favorite adventure? And I say, well, that's like picking your favorite song. It really depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. Like when I just got off an airplane, it was that. Oh, yeah. When I just jumped off a mountain, it was that. But I tell people all the time uh, it was adopting a daughter. Yeah. We weren't trying to have kids. Uh, we weren't in the foster program. We weren't trying to adopt I was on a helicopter up in Canada. We were stand up paddle boarding 6,600 feet up in the British Columbia mountains. It was epic. I mean, there's snow. Oh, we jumped man. in. It was, yeah, it was hoorah type of stuff. We get back to civilization. Obviously, you're outside of cell phone reception up there. We get back to civilization. I got a text from my wife saying, hey, call me. Uh, and one of the girls that she discipled in inner city uh, Bible study had a 
scary domestic situation. Called my wife instead of police. My wife wow. shows up. She's like, what? And calls police. Police show up and go, well, um, she called you, so we're going to send her home with you. What? And so I get this message from my wife saying, hey, this young lady's come. And so then I came home a few days later from Canada, and the Department of Social Services is there. And they're like, yeah, we we really like this as a life for her. Like you guys have something going here. And my, <laughs> my wife's a, a women's ministry leader and a missions director. Yeah. And, um, there's, yeah. And so, you know, and then after a little while we said, you know what, we think we want to make sure she stays safe. So we pursued custody and then like, you know what, let's make her safe forever and try to adopt, you know? And so, mm-hmm. um, that's scary, right? Yeah. Um, my daughter is not the same skin color as me, not the same culture as me, not the same backgrounds, she likes different music. She she can watch Squ- SpongeBob SquarePants. I can't. <laughs> oh man! Just, yeah. And so relating to her sitting on the couch watching SpongeBob with her or whatever it is, um, to me is a huge adventure. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that a lot of people would look at that and go, "Oh wow, that's a grand adventure." But for me, there's more surrender that has been involved than going out on the wings of an airplane. People oh yeah. Had a hard time believing that, but I was like. Yeah, I trust the physics of everything I'm hooked to on an airplane. Right. <laughs> you know, because uh, you can see it. Yeah, and there like, you can quantify. And I know it. adoption works, right? And right. I know like there's so much in the Bible about adoption. And there, I have in our church, we just have so many people from our pastors on down who've adopted and fostered. It's a mm. big community, so like th- th- there is a safety net there sure. for sure. But it's all brand new. I mean, yeah, uh, I started with a 15 year old. Yeah, you know, and you're just like, what? That's that's a that's a big leap like, yeah from zero to 15 yeah from it's you know like jumping into a formula one car in the middle of the race <laughs> yeah it's been but it's been i would say in many ways just as rewarding my therapist would tell you that and she's told me this a couple times she says the lens of you being a dad has changed your work here and you have found health through the lens of being a dad yeah absolutely and the guy that we talked about earlier going first and surrender to show the guys in my Bible study or my serving teams, what it looks like. They all know you were trying not to be a dad. Mm. You said yes to being a dad as a ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. And now like I've done a hard thing in front of them. So when we ask you, Hey, probably don't sleep with women until you get married or Hey, why don't you lay off the alcohol or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You're like, I can't do it. I was like, listen, if I, I can be a 15 year old, yeah, if I can be a dad, you can be sober. Or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Wow. What What are some of those other other lessons that you've been uncovering through that that heart excavation work? If you, mm. if you don't mind sharing some of those. No, I don't. So I was I was bullied a lot in middle school, and my parents pulled me out and homeschooled me. Wow. And then when I went to college, um, I knew that there's like a caste system, right? It was my first high school experience was college to go, <laughs> oh, there's the jocks, there's uh-huh. the rich kids, there's the whatever. And I just realized I'm not it. And so my messaging for, you know, 10, 12 years of my life was you're less than. Ooh, yeah. So when I got out of college, started making some money, started having some freedom, got a passport, whatever. I went, I'm going to show them. And the dangerous thing is that mm. happened exactly when we got social media. Mm, yeah. So now I can let those bullies from middle school know. Mm-hmm. Now I can let the rich kids from college know. Now I can let the guy who married the prom queen or mm-hmm. whatever, right, know what I'm doing. And that was very dangerous. And so I went around the world to try to find tokens in this game of I'm better than you or I'm equal to you or whatever. And the way dopamine works and the way social media works and the way the algorithm is. You get a lot rewarded for that. Reward for it. And so what happened was, is I went around the world trying to find myself. And what I found was, I don't mean to be a downer, but it's, it's a lot like, um, uh, was it lamentations or whatever, where Solomon was like, 
none of these trains, if you take them all the way out, they don't take you where you think. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful I learned that in my 30s, right? And so, but what I found when I got there was, again, looking for a spiritual experience with the adventure was God was saying, you don't need that. You're not, just enjoy this moment. Enjoy me. Um, I love you and that should be enough. Mm. You know, you don't, Man. who do you need to impress? Like, okay, you're going to get a like from them that lasts you, dopamine lasts how many minutes in your system. Right. Or you can get eternal affirmation from me by sitting in this moment with me and experiencing me. And so um, I was a slow learner. It took seven continents for me to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Um, and the other thing is, and this has become normative for me too, is I intentionally now choose destinations that make me feel small. And you would think that sounds unhealthy, but what it makes me feel small is my ego, yeah, my accomplishments, yeah, uh, also my worry, my stress. Um, nothing. I, I like to put myself in environments where I go. There's no way I could ever think of this. There's no way I could ever scale this. There's no way I could ever conquer this. I, we have modern technology. We can do a whole bunch of sure. things. But as far as like me physically, my my body, I could not scale this thing or conquer this thing and just go, that's correct. Like the proper, put you into proper perspective. And then that leads me to worship. Yeah. And so um, one of the other things I found too, and this sounds kind of weird, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of people studying their spiritual pathway. Mm-hmm. Depending on which uh, framework you use, there's either seven or nine spiritual pathways. My primary one is nature big shock yeah uh but my secondary one is music ah and so i, I knew we were gonna get along well yeah <laughs> are very so similar they end up as force multipliers so when i listen mm-hmm. to worship music in nature that makes me feel small mm. i just explode i i've cried in all kinds of foreign places that's awesome strategic pause for small voices hi jane may we help you what do you need You want to play on the tractor next to his car? I think it's turned off. Great. Are there no are there keys in it? No, no keys. Okay. Just don't touch any of the levers, okay? Just in case. I'll just pretend. Yeah, okay. just pretend. Don't move that's anything. A, that's a good call. That's a good call. Thank you for pretend asking me, Pretend you're moving that big pile of rocks. Yeah. Thank you very much for asking me, Jane. I really appreciate that. I'm kind of scared because I don't want you to die. Oh, let me walk you out. Oh, yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. I was going to let him play with my car too, but uh, the emergency brake, it might roll. Yeah, we don't want that. My nephews, <laughs> so I have aftermarket lights and they love turning because they change. One flip is white. One flip is bright white. One flip is orange. Yeah. Oh, so cool. when I solve my battery drain issue, I want to start putting some lights on the truck. Man. It's, I don't know. They're illegal. It's an old one, the ones on my car are illegal in Virginia, but they're not. Yeah. They're a secondary offense, so they can only pull you over for it if you're speeding. So I, I only have mine when I'm going slow. Right, yeah. Uh, so my my headlights are like two dim candles blowing in a thunderstorm. So I, I really need to put some auxiliary lighting on, like just a couple of little spots in in the front grill or something to actually see a little bit better. And there's so many options now. It's so easy to wire. And- yeah, I, and with the old disco, it's already got the wiring there. Oh, sick. Like, it's already got connections for auxiliary lighting. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's mostly just getting the uh, 
budget and time to install yeah, yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I the one of the, guy, the guy I co-lead one of my Bible studies with, he does all that. So I just drive it over to his house and like, hey, dude. <laughs> well, I'll keep that in the back pocket for next time I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many places that do it now. Yeah, it's there's not a lot near near me. Like, so we're like an hour north of Indianapolis, and like, there's I think there's a four by four place in in Indy, but yeah, not not a whole lot oh, over really? at, wow. which is. Weird. Yeah, usually any any like accessories place that installs radio even best buy can do the wiring stuff for you so if you can mount it yeah and then just have the because the, the hard part's the wiring the mounting is usually fairly straightforward yeah. hmm. and then just take it to best buy and give them a hundred bucks or whatever no there we go yeah we'll have to keep that in mind yeah yeah so before my wonderful daughter came in and asked for permission to play on a tractor which is great um we were talking <laughs> about the the force multiplier of music and nature and Man, I uh, so many questions around that. I, obviously, you don't have a favorite band. We've just oh, I do Maverick City for sure. You do okay. Yeah. So tell me about Maverick City. I never heard them before. Oh, seriously. So um, they changed the game with worship in that um, they do stage work. They're coming to churches and whatever. But the way that they record is they get around a piano and maybe some other instruments, and there's anywhere from I don't know fifteen to thirty of them in a room, and they they just hang the mics from above. Mm-hmm. And they just sing, wow, towards each other. Cool. And their songs are known to be really long, mm-hmm. um, like a short song for there's probably seven minutes. Okay. Um, and they tend to meander, but it's multiple voices. Nice. And it's just it's not anything you've ever heard in other spaces. And now mm-hmm. people are trying to copy it. Sure. Yeah. Such a game changer. And now they're doing a bunch of collaborations with other worship outfits. Cool. Um, like Elevation Worship. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, I don't know if they've done any Hillsong, but they. They, I try not to watch the videos so that mm-hmm. I don't have the pictures of their recording and their faces, oh, yeah. or whatever. Um, but it's it's not uh, amp up music. Mm. Like a lot of worship music is celebratory. Yeah, and it's not that theirs is sad. It's that it takes reflective. You to a, it's very reflective, and their lyrics are different than anything mm. you hear in Christian worship because it it almost sounds like they didn't try to be famous. Yeah, and of course now they are, but yeah, uh, in certain circles. That's but awesome. Yeah, it's. Their lyrics are so different. There's so much truth. I've quoted them, I think, in both my books. Definitely the one I'm writing right now. Mm. Their lyrics are just... I've watched I've watched a grown man cry singing the lyrics from that in front of me at a disc office. Wow. It wow. just it wrecks you. I've cried in the woods so hard that like I, I can't walk straight. You yeah, know, type of thing. that's so, awesome. Uh, I, I like to emotionally connect with music. Yeah. Not that you have to do it, sure. Scott, but... Yeah, man. I, I I connect to God through Dream Theater and Dave Matthews Band. Oh, there you go. Like you mentioned, seven minutes is a long song, and I kind of chuckled because yeah, Dave Matthews, Dream, Dave Matthews and Dream Theater, like twenty minute long song, is not uncommon. <clears throat> yeah, and I like a band called Johnny Swim. I don't know oh, if yeah, I haven't heard them before. Uh, the best concert I've ever been to in my life. Mm. Um, it's a husband and wife crew, and they sing with one mic. Cool. They face each other. It's very intimate. Oh, wow. Songs are written to each other. And again, their lyrics are just different than what you hear yeah. out in culture. And so um, they're not overtly spiritual. They are people of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their songs, it, it leaks through. But um, my favorite lyric, and I've quoted this all the time, is um, one of the songs the, that they sing. It says, um, I don't pray for a revival because I'm living in one. Ooh. And so you don't need to resuscitate something that's not dead. Yeah. So if, if what is alive in you, particularly spiritually, is thriving, then why would you put jumper cables on that? Because it's already 
thriving. And I grew up in a faith system where we had revival services oh, yeah. all the time. And I was like, well, yeah, because nothing's growing. Like everything's <laughs> dead, you know? And so um, if if a revival shows up, it you know, the word revive, like I, one of the jokes I use is nobody puts defibrillators on the people on the Olympic podiums. You know, mm-hmm. those people just prove they're very much alive. Yeah. Right. And so um, I, I go back to that lyric all the time to go, I don't ever want to get to a place where I have to be revived. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be, I want to be living so much energy. And I joked be about the defibrillator. Yeah, yeah. This morning I joked at church. So we have a little coffee bar there. Like a lot of churches yeah. have. And uh, I drink decaf. I, I have to be very careful with caffeine and they're a joke. Decaf. And I've gotten this joke from them. I don't know how many times I was like, yeah, this is me without decaf. Do you want to see this with caffeine? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and I, that's a physical joke, but that's the same spiritually Oh yeah. Um, I want people to look at me and go, "Yeah, that dude's jumping out of airplanes, whatever, and that looks totally alive." But I would, I would much rather go, "That dude's faith makes him the most alive person I know." Hmm. Um, and then, then they want to come on adventures yeah. and whatever else. Yeah, man, I really like that, and it's also convicting because I, I deeply enjoy coffee in any <laughs> form, and for about a year and a half or so, like beginning of lockdown and everything, both my wife and I actually went on decaf for a while. And it was a very interesting learning experience of like, oh, this is how tired I am all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just masking it with caffeine. And now I'm totally back to where I was before um, to a certain extent. Um, But yeah, it was uh, was an interesting learning experience there. Strategic pause for small voices. We're gonna be done in just a little bit, okay? We we will in in ten or fifteen minutes, maybe. It's seven forty now. We'll be done by eight o'clock for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's interesting that they work off. I'm. Yeah. I would think most engineering stuff would be PCs. It's not good creative. Oh. Uh, I'm all next for that reason. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh, where are we go? Oh yeah, caffeine. So yeah, so the, the relationship with caffeine is kind of interesting and similar with music. Like I used to live off of caffeine and loud music. Like, don't get me wrong, I still love metal and prog rock and and stuff. But I've learned about myself lately that I'm actually much more me when I'm listening to lo-fi chill. <laughs> and like one of my my favorite. Um, I don't know what band it is, but anyway, they do lo-fi chill versions of Star Wars songs. Oh, wow. it's awesome! <laughs> and it and it you know I I get real amped up real fast. So most of the time when I'm when I'm working when I'm writing things like that, it's like I need to be toned down mm. so that I'm more in tune and more mindful of things mm. rather than go 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 fast 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 loud loud drums drums. He says as he's finishing his caffeinated coffee <laughs> at seven o'clock at night, like a crazy person. But, um, yeah. So it's it's been we can rush ourselves past moments of introspection. Yeah, That's yeah. One of the dangers of the smartphone, right? Like, oh my! As soon as the line slows down at the grocery store, boom! There it is. Yeah. Um, 
it sounds like you're familiar with the uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by mm-hmm. John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a game changer book for me. And very validating of my purchase of an old Land Rover that cannot hurry no matter how much you want it to. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going over the speed limit, so why try? That's right. There's no way I'm going to be able to race away from a stop sign, so let's stop at everyone unless my brakes are failing, in which case let's keep on going. <laughs> and brakes are an issue. I, I oh, drove boy. a Land Rover Defender across Iceland, and uh, we had our entire brake assembly come apart Gosh. going down the road. So... Before I came here, I was at my cousin Matthias and uh, Michelle's house, and on the way from Indiana, every time I braked, the car would swerve alarmingly to the left and found out that I basically had no brake fluid when we got there. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay, thank God for getting us here. Wow. <laughs> and then I had to like, re, you know, re-up the brake fluid and bleed the brakes, and I was thinking I was going to need to get a new brake caliper and all sorts of things, but it just turned out I needed some brake fluid and to believe my brakes but like whoo uh that truck has been such a learning experience i bet with the father around slowing down and being good at the thing at taking care of the things he's entrusted me with and like learning new skills rather than just outsourcing everything like Mm -hmm. yes i still hire a mechanic on occasion but I can do things like bleed my brakes. Mm-hmm. I can do things like diagnose why my engine is overheating Especially and fix it. Especially now in the era of YouTube. Oh, yeah. We have way more confidence. Cars are harder to work on, but they're also, everybody's posting a video about how to do everything. Right. And another reason I own a 20-year-old truck is that it's user serviceable. That's right. So it, I, I call it the generalist mobile. because, <laughs> like, I don't know if you're familiar with Morgan Snyder's work, mm-hmm. Becoming a King. It's really, really good book. But one of the chapters in there is called the generalist it's like there are certain skills that as guys we should just be good at like fixing cars chopping firewood getting meat and cooking it mending a broken heart all these things men should be good at Hmm. and many of those you get taught by owning an old land rover and not having the money to pay someone else to do it for you (laughs) there you go (laughs) so yeah it's it's a constant reminder to to slow down to take the weirder, harder path. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where life is. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we could talk all night and someday we probably should. But <laughs> I, I would like to, to hear about your book that I'm really looking forward to read um, when I get back home and I'm not driving somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you kind of tell us some, some of your favorite nuggets from it and what you're hoping people will take away from it? Yeah, so the book's called Scared to Life, Tales of a God Who Reveals His Heart When Ours is Racing. Um, and so I started the book for the wrong reasons. In fact, that's the first line of the book. Says, mm. Hey, I wrote this book for the wrong reasons. Um, I was trying to redeem my adventures mm. because my wife, her vacation, she's going to dusty streets in a developing nation. My friends are doing all these things with their time. And, uh, my trips were more of a flex, right? Um, and they had their reward, right? Um, but I was like, you know, I was trying to redeem him. So what I started to do is to look back through and go, no, what did I learn from God at each of those mm-hmm. moments? And then I had friends who would read my blog post. I've done a travel blog now for about 10, 12 years. Um, they're like, man, you really need to tease these out and make these stories longer. And so, yeah, it's a journey, you know, every it's 30 some chapters and there's a, at least one story from every continent on there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, I went to do this thing. And this, a lot of them are mishaps. I'll just tell you, a lot of yeah. them are things that 
we didn't plan for or whatever. And they're like, but this is where God showed up. And when I went for the wrong reasons, Jesus said, no, I'm already here. I, I was waiting for you. I, mm-hmm. I knew you were going to get here. I knew when you were going to get here. And so I planned for you to find this part of my heart and my character when I got there. Mm-hmm. So it does that over and over and over again. Um, and in a way that I don't read in a lot of Christian books, mm-hmm. I, I want to read a book that I would want to, or write a book that I want to read. Yeah. Um, and it, there, there are adventure books out there, but, uh, it's just not the same. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I learned it's the same with the book I wrote, you know, 15 years ago, I, I put in that one. I said, if the reader gets half as much out of this as I got from writing it and processing it, uh, then this work will have done what it was meant to do. Yeah. You know, and we talked before we got on, on the mics about the process of having your heart edited. When you take that manuscript Ooh, and you hand it off yeah. to somebody who's good at what they do, even it's, that is a lesson to oh, me. Man, it's it's frightening. Yeah, we were, we were talking about not to talk about my journey as much, but like literally a few days ago, did that for my first book to a guy who's got a lot of experience there. And it's scary. Hi, Jane. I just was wondering, I want to stay with you. Okay, if you can be quiet like a mouse, you can stay here. and We're going to just finish up talking, okay? Where do you want to sit? Do you want to sit here? You good, Alex? You need to warm up too. You want to sit on the high chair? Okay. You gotta be quiet like a mouse, okay? Yeah, you gotta be quiet. These mics will pick up everything. That that means you gotta be still as a statue when you get up there, okay? Still as a statue, quiet as a mouse, okay? We have very forgiving forgiving listeners, but only to a point. It adds character. (laughs) It does. Yeah. We we had one one of these where I was walking along with my buddy on a gravel road outside of his house. It adds, I have one where we recorded it in the river at the base of that mountain. Mm. We took the campers, put them in the river. We put all that stuff on a third chair and we just sat and you hear the river the whole time. Oh, that's time cool. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Jane. Still has a statue. Quiet as a mouse, especially in that chair because it creaks. Okay. All right. So we're talking, we're talking about writing and like, man, the, like you've been at this for a while. This is my first go around. And I'm writing after sending these kids to, to school on the school bus between that and my first meeting in the morning and doing that over the course of months and months and months. Mm-hmm. And as an engineer who kind of pokes fun at writers for a while or said, or at least my side of writing, like, oh, I'm an engineer, not an English major. Don't judge my writing. But it's, it's really scary. Like, that's 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 my heart. You're editing out right there. And like, does it sounds like that never goes away. Yeah. And I would say so. I'm the opposite. I have a degree in writing. Uh, I've been writing stuff for decades. It's j- just as hard for me because I think that my stuff is so much more well-crafted. <laughs> like I'm more attached to them. Like, well, yeah. this is the stuff a good writer puts out. Yeah. And when w- most times when I write a blog, they're not edited. I don't, I have had them edited before, but usually, and when people respond like, Oh, this is amazing. And I connect with your stuff. You kind of get this motion that, you know, your bathroom doesn't smell. Uh-huh. And, yeah. And so then when an editor is like, you need to remove this entire chapter. Mm-hmm. Or I had two people tell me the introduction to your book needs to go away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the... And you go, what? okay. And it was yeah. beautiful. So the, the introduction to my book now is 10 times better than the one that I thought was so precious. Mm-hmm. But I... And part of it too was I trusted my editor um, inherently. I knew she knew better than me. Yeah. I intentionally picked an editor who was not the same kind of adventurer as me. Mm-hmm. She works for the state department doing very cool things, but not, 
jumping out of airplanes right and that kind yeah of stuff, riding helicopters and stuff and so i thought if she could find this story in here and bring it out then anybody could yeah and that's what i wanted that's awesome yeah um man that's like i know everybody else listening but that is gonna be touched by that but that was that really hits me where i live of like mm-hmm. trusting the guy who's editing and knowing like you know yeah i gave him fifty two thousand words i know i'm gonna get maybe 25 decent ones back <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay like that's part of the thing that's why i pay him like if he came back and said yeah it's all good like give me my money back dude <laughs> so yeah um, and i feel bad for her because she had to read the rough part right my goodness I, sorry alan thank you <laughs> people you know people read the book now and they're like this is so i was like it is if you'd have read what i originally wrote you would have put it down after you five put it pages down. yeah 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 so <laughs> yeah so it's it's scary and like I, i'm ever more grateful for guys like you who have been honing their craft over the years and have you know checked your ego out the door uh, on on many occasions and gone through the other side and produced something that's useful and mm. worthwhile and not just a flex on page. Mm. So yeah, that was that was the core tension of writing the book was, am I leveraging Jesus for my adventures or am I levering, leveraging my adventures for Jesus? Like, is this a highlight reel about me and I just sprinkle some Jesus dust on top, or is this is there a core theme here of what Jesus is doing through adventure? in my life and based on reviews and it's hard for me to see cause I wrote it, mm-hmm. but for the people who've read it that know me go, yeah, dude, you, you cut yourself out well. And knowing that that's been my journey. It's one of the parts of the reason I'm in therapy is to, to cut that insecurity out of me. Yeah. The insecurity and pride are the two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. It's both are how we compensate, right? Yeah. For the other. And so, uh, so people who know that that's my journey of insecurity and pride, and go, you know what? I didn't get that in there. Is that's one way you pay an editor for it. Yeah. And two, that's the answer to so many prayers. I can't tell you how many times I ask God, I was like, God, uh, please help me. And people say, it must have been so easy to write that book. The book I'm writing <laughs> right now nope. is much easier to write because I don't have that tension. The story is completely not about me. Yeah. And so, or at least in my adventures type of situation. Yeah. And so it's a whole lot easier to do that way. Um, I still have Instagram. I still. Like, yeah. I still have places where I can flex if I want to, but even there I'm learning to tailor it back. So if, if I show an adventure, I talk about the, the things going on inside of me that were swirling or the spiritual aspect. I give that takeaway so that Mm -hmm. it's not just, Hey, look, this is me on a surfboard in the Mm -hmm. Arctic circle. This is what I learned in that moment, you know? And the other thing, and this is a great inoculation. I don't know if you struggle with the same thing is I celebrate other people. Yeah. And when you celebrate other people and call them out and make them feel like they're the hero of the story, then um, it demonstrates that humility. And just like we were talking about earlier, that's an adrenaline rush for me yeah. to step back. Even that can become formative where you push more people out to the yeah to limelight. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to turn out in the final version, but I'm intentionally doing that where my, my introduction is actually not the intro to the book. It's... Hmm a forward that I'm hoping that Jason and Emily McCarthy will write. Cause I talk about go rock all over the place and I want to highlight them cause they've meant so much to me mm. and their, their community that they've curated through go rock has literally changed my entire life. That's beautiful. In so many good ways. And so I'm, I'm hoping that people buy more rucks and go <laughs> do crazy stuff, carrying their kids and sandbags and everything 
more than they buy my book and hopefully they find whatever their adventure is whatever their adventure is right and so you know yeah it's it's a process of okay where do we need to check myself in the story that i find interesting versus we all find ourselves yeah (laughs) yeah right Uh, so yeah it's 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 tough (laughs) and and for those uh so it's been interesting uh so statistics in book sales right now in the country is that men buy the majority of audiobooks and women buy the majority of print books. Interesting. And so I paid, we recorded an audiobook, and almost exclusively, I think there's one or two exceptions, the people who've taken in my book as an audiobook have been men. Wow. And um, I cry reading my audiobook. So if you wow. want to hear someone cry while reading their own audiobook, that's a little tease. I laugh a lot too. I not because I'm funny, but I just remember the things that are coming yeah. from that story. Like, yeah. this was so stupid. What were we thinking? <laughs> it's hard to read that without laughing again. And so, yeah, if you're looking for a more vulnerable and personal experience, uh, I would check out the audiobook. And awesome. it's available on Audible, iTunes, Google Play, all there. It's handy that I happen to have some Audible credits. There you go. And a eight and a half hour drive tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. So... <laughs> I, I think I think we'll become fast friends via an audiobook over over the drive back to Indiana tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Um, man, this has been incredible, and I have a feeling we're going to be getting together at some point in the not too distant future again. There you go. Um, any, any final thoughts that you're, that you're feeling the the spirit maybe led leading to you to share, or or maybe for other folks who are listening now to to take away from from our time together? Uh, yeah, just I would I would ask people to to write down in journal or whatever on a regular basis and go, what scares me and why? And there are certain things that scare us that we shouldn't do, right? Don't go stand in the middle of train tracks and see how long it is before you jump. Right? That's a, that's a dumb way to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but to go, uh, and work your way down to smaller things to talk to the cashier at, at your local store or whatever it is over time. Um, and to be aware of that, and at the end of the day, you know, there's a prayer of examine that people do. Oh, yeah. You go, where was the moment where I was scared today? Yeah. And how did I respond? I'll give you a small one. I was in Portland working on the book, and uh, there's a say, put this amount of tip on the check and write Jesus loves you on the check. Mm. And I sat there. This guy's never going to see me again. It's right. Portland, Oregon. I live in Virginia. Yeah. Um, so just to go, oh, that was a... That was an adventure moment. It yeah. wasn't jumping off a building, but nope. it was jumping off of something for me. And so That's what awesome. I would ask people to do is evaluate, go back to your day and go, where where was I scared? And and then go, okay, now tomorrow, just be cognizant to be looking for that when that check in your spirit comes. Mm. And go, okay, now what am I going to do in that moment? And it, you're not looking for something heroic. You're not like, oh, I need to go lift the car off that baby right. in the ditch or whatever. Yeah. You know, and it's not some, okay, today I'm going to go to the middle of the Congo and try to win someone for Jesus. That's great if you do. Uh, but I would look for the small daily moments. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Uh, dude, this has been just so life-giving <laughs> from all the stuff that's happened with this afternoon, Ryan, I just really appreciate you, man. And, and taking the time to come out here and, and uh, Matt and the gang at Blue Ridge Overland gear. Thanks once again for letting us use your office. Yeah, it's a cool place. <laughs> and camp out in your backyard. Uh, this has been fantastic. And uh, we have some, some little ones who are wanting to get in the tent. So. No, uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, have, have a good one, man. We'll, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Hopefully. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to follow along with everything that is going on with our creative team, uh, check us out on Instagram at Anthem of the Adventurer. Join our email list for uh, monthly challenges that we're putting out, as well as updates on the book and all the blog writing that is coming out. Uh, make sure you get on our email list because we're putting out uh, some really good stuff every month and we'll be putting out a lot more as we start to get into the heat of book publishing. So if you're interested in all of that, make sure that you join our email list and get signed up for all of that goodness. Now go out and do something adventurous and scary today. Thank you.